Blog Good evening. Radio. Good evening. My name is Marcel Reed, and I'd like to invite you to this evening's episode of the Marty Oakley with Black Whistleblower and Farmers Program. It is hosted and has been hosted for years by Lawrence Lucas, who is now the President Emeritus of the USDA Coalition for Black Farmers. And on tonight, we'll also see, will be Dr. Wayman Henson, um, who has been a longtime supporter and um, read a few articles concerning um, black farmers. What I'd like to do now is turn the program over to Lawrence Lucas. Good evening. Thank you very much, Marcel Reed, for uh, continuing uh, to keep us connected to the issues and problems of whistleblowers, whether they be farmers or employees. And uh, and I can't say enough, but we thank uh, uh, our, uh, our, the work that has been done by so many people to keep this show aired. Marty Oakley has been a longtime supporter. Uh, of the coalition and all the work it's been doing and opened it, her doors uh, to this show and allowed this show to happen. Tonight we have a little different kind of format. Tonight we have uh, on the show you will hear a, a video. And a video is primarily designed to... Uh, allow you to hear and see what is going on. This is going to be a little unusual because we will be playing back our presentation at the Whistleblower Summit in Washington, D.C., put on by Michael McRae and Marcel Reed, and they've been doing this for years. But I want to make sure that you all get the opportunity to hear our presentation. And so it's going to be a little unusual that you may have pauses in between. And that is because it was designed for a visual presentation and not just audio. So bear with us during the silent periods. But for sure, there will be something to follow that silence until we close out the show. I want to welcome people from around the country and the listening audience that have constantly been a supporter of this program and this show and the issues that we bring regarding the racism, sexism, and other abuses at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I want you to know that uh, on this show, we have Michael Stovall, black farmer from Alabama, farmer advocate, uh, head of the Agriculture Cooperative for Minorities, and president of the Independent Black Farmers. Also on the show is Dr. Wayman Henson from Texas, psychiatrist, writer, black farmer, film producer, black farmer advocate for years in this struggle and has stayed in this struggle for years. Uh, last but not least, 
We have Eddie Slaughter, who I've been knowing for 25 or 30 years, who's been in this struggle from Georgia, black farmer, advocate. And we are hoping that this panel will be very informative. This panel will explore and inform its participants and the listening audience of the systemic changes needed at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. They will talk about their pain. They will talk about the suffering that many black farmers have gone through. At the end of the show, we would like to, before closing, we want to allow you to ask questions. So you can jot down your questions as you're listening, and we're going to let our listeners, if they care to do so, before closing out the show completely, to jot down your questions and be prepared to ask them at the end of the show. I can be contacted at 856-910-2399. Let me give you that number again, 856-910-2399. And you can go to the coalition website, www.agcoalition.org, and that will lead you uh, to uh, a web page that has much of the information that you need. Also, there's the Justice for Black Farmers uh, page as well that you can turn to. Without further ado, uh, Marcel, I'm going to ask, if is there anything else that we could add before beginning the show? No, I, I think the best thing to tell everyone is simply that the summit is an annual event, that um, we were all there at the beginning. Okay, that is very true. It's an annual event that has been going on for years. How many years now, Marcel, had the Whistleblower Summit that you and Michael McCray has put together? How many years has that been going on? Um, it's been 11 years, but, of course, we've had the, uh, the questions with COVID, which was the reset for everyone. But it's been 11 years, and there is no one who has ever um, put on a whistleblower event that has been this widely accepted, nor has this law. Okay, thank you very much. Now we will uh, get into the show. And the show is going to be, the panel will explore and inform those listeners of the systemic problems and the systemic needs that has, should be had at the U.S. Department of Agriculture under not only this administration under and the Secretary Tom Vilsap at the present time, but this has been going on for decades, decades after decades, administration after administration, president after president, secretary after secretary. We're now going to begin the show 
with You Will Hear, a video recording of the presentation that we gave at the Whistleblower Summit this year, and you will also hear some of the comments that we have been allowed to uh, interject into this conversation, and that is of presidential candidate Dr. Cornell West. He has embraced this issue and is concerned with this issue, and his comments uh, we are going to share as part of this presentation tonight. Thank you. We, this is democracy. We begin today's show. And Hold on. Let's see. Have a little problem. Um, my machine jumped over Central to African country another where military leader seized power on Wednesday from another show. So I'm going to have to go back and I'm going to have to X this out and get the show that uh, we have to offer for you tonight. And here we go. I lost my livelihood in farming. I could farm. They took away the one thing that I really loved, and that was farming. That's what the USDA did. He showed me a big tarp that had the words on it, nigger, go home. The, the lack of commitment by too many people to not really caring whether we did justice or not. Even as long as it's been, you know, we've experienced discrimination for a very, very long time, and most people would have given up. Uh, to this date, I haven't given up, and I never will give up, you know, until justice is served. That's what my daddy would always say. He says I wasn't in trouble for anything. Everything was fine until I went up to defend my dad, and he says, well, what was I supposed to do? He says, I'm a man, and that's my daddy. I'm supposed to defend him. He said, don't let USDA take my hand. It was like anybody else would just don't you at the path. And we've done that. Nobody else has taken it either. But for sure, the USDA would never get Quite frankly, I say that the United States Department of Agriculture you murdered, murdered them. my mother and father and my brother. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much, Gary Johnson, and, and all the work that you have done for and with promoting civil rights and promoting the justice for black farmers. Tonight, we are going to, uh, in preparation for the Whistleblower Summit in Washington, uh, and we have a panel called Continue Systemic Discrimination at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 
and it's presented by the Coalition of Minority uh, Employees at the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Justice for Black Farmer Group, uh, put together and made up of uh, uh, Eddie, Eddie Slaughter, has uh, been working with us, um, Michael Stovall, farmer from Alabama, and we also have Raymond Henson from Texas. And our good friend Eddie Slaughter is from Georgia. He has been in this struggle for years, and both he and Stovall I've been knowing for many, many years, and Dr. Henson has been working with us, and you'll see some of his work uh, in the trailer. It so happened tonight we have Marcel Reed with us from the Whistleblower Summit. She's going to give us an overview of what and why this summit is so important and why the coalition and the issue of continued discrimination at USDA, especially having the farmers on tonight, she will articulate the importance of it and the importance of us sharing this effort with the Whistleblower Summit, which is started this week in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill. Marcel Reed, thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule and give us a brief rundown or overview as to why this is so important to so many people, the Whistleblower Summit in Washington today. Thank you for being on. Thank you, Lawrence. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone who's joined us um, on this panel, and thank you, Lawrence, for inviting me. I know um, Dr. Wayman Henson as a longtime supporter um, of this effort with the black farmers, breaking out not only um, the impact on it when it comes to land, but also the impact psychologically that very many people don't calculate in. They talk about land and money, but they don't uh, understand just how deep the trauma can be uh, when people are separated from land. I would like to thank Stovall because Michael Stovall has been working in this field far before I knew about it. I found out about this through um, Lawrence Lucas and the USDA Coalition. And for years and years, I've heard Stovall talk about the hardship that he's been under as a Alabama black farmer. My family hails from Alabama, though I was raised in the far west. And I have heard stories all my life about farmers who have lost their land. I'm sure that it impacted my family. But sometimes the memory is so long ago and the pain is so deep until people don't talk about it anymore. Lawrence Lucas has been leading this coalition since I first met him. And I'd like to talk about how important it is that these men have been gathering on Capitol Hill. Often our stories are told as whispers or only to each other. This is an opportunity for people to see what is happening not only with black farmers, but with black people and whistleblowers 
across the diaspora, to be honest with you. Whistleblowing is not something that we generally consider ourselves. When we talk about our struggles, they put us into civil rights, and they write it off as a civil rights struggle. It's a civil rights struggle, and therefore, as important as it is, it's an attempt to diminish its importance. One of the things that the summit does is we try to raise Title VII complaints, civil rights complaints, to the same status and importance as any other whistleblower complaint. You know, you hear about other whistleblowers, the Stotons of the world or whoever, and they um, become either uh, infamous and very famous or they become very well paid. Generally, neither one happens to us. We simply report the fault and it's swept under a rug somewhere, so no matter what it is. So whether it's black farmers who have supported us from the beginning and who we wholeheartedly supported the summit, whether it is uh, police officers as led by Matthew Fogg and the um, Marshal Service, whether it is EEOC within the government uh, writ large, which is run uh, by Tanya Ward-Jordan, or whether it is a medical uh, whistleblower, which we are now focusing on this year. And, the, and those that are focusing on it this year are um, focusing on kidney dialysis, which affects most black families in one way or another. The summit is the place that we as black people can go to every year. It excludes no one, but it also doesn't diminish our issues. Diminish um, we give out a very prestigious award as a matter of fact, the most prestigious award that whistleblowers can give, which is called the Pillar, and we give that award out every year to note uh, whistleblowers that may not be famous but who have struggled. We notice their, uh, we applaud them for their efforts, for their ability to hang in like uh, Stovall has for all of these years. And we open our arms to everyone to come to Capitol Hill, because when you sit in someone's living room, they cannot say you were not at their home. And that is the real purpose of the summit. We bring the issues on Capitol Hill. We speak to them in their place. And they cannot then go home and say, uh, they didn't know, they never heard of it, we never brought it to anyone's attention. We bring every issue to their attention every year, and we defy them to say they haven't heard of it, they don't know about it, and to ignore us out of hand. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Mrs. Marcel Reed, for being with us tonight and giving that clarity as we move forward into the subject matter that we will be talking about tonight and that is the continual racism at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Thank you, Eddie Slaughter. Thank you, Dr. Henson. Thank you, uh, 
Michael Stovall from Alabama. I, I want to make sure that I, I do cover uh, slaughter, and I know you're from Georgia, and I know, I know you don't want me to leave out the fact that that's where you're from. We're going to talk now about a systemic discrimination going on, and I'd like for you all to give a quick overview and only two or three more minutes because we want to have time for dialogue uh, and, and fit this in a very small uh, piece. But, um, uh, Eddie Slaughter, you've been around this issue. Uh, give us about two or three minutes as to why this continued and why you're here tonight to talk about the continued uh, racism at the U.S. Department of Agriculture from a program standpoint or from a black farmer standpoint from Georgia. I think that when you look at it, continued racism, you have to realize that this ain't just not started. Uh, when we look at uh, Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, he was there when Joe Biden was vice president of Barack Obama, and Barack Obama signed a $2.5 billion settlement for black farmers. And after they paid the lawyers about $90 million, there was over a billion dollars that was left that just simply disappeared uh, under the uh, Biden, Jim Crow Joe, and uh, Tom Vilsack. And nobody there asked where did this over a billion dollars went because it was slated for black farmers. So when he came back and wanted to put him in as USDA uh, Secretary of Agriculture, he knew how he had treated us before. He was a part of when they turned up the heat for economic terrorism, and that was every black farmer in America that owned, US, that owned USDA was offset with all kinds of ways. It was just like terrorism when they do to the Taliban and to Al-Qaeda and all of them. Everywhere that a dollar came to black farmers by way of the United States government, whether it was the income tax return, they offset and took that from you. You didn't get that. Your subsidy payments, you know, uh, your, your, your land-based payments. And they really, it was no, it was more of a fact that we are going to have to suffer economic terrorism at the hands of Jim Crow Joe and the Grand Wizard himself, Tom Billstack. And this is ongoing. This is not, we're not talking about, as they talk about when they talk about reparations, uh, something that happened years ago uh, to people that may have, you know, that are no longer alive or, those that even suffered is no longer alive. But we are talking about uh, justice for what we suffered in this present day, in this present time, and as the, uh, the, the discrimination and the injustice continue, and there's no end in sight to what's wrong. And every time a black farmer dies, they go there and cut out four or five acres for the families to then let them buy the house. And they take all and run away with all the land. So, uh, you know, we really got a bad situation going on. And Jim Crow Joe and uh, the Grand Wizard himself, Tom Billstack, they are actually practicing with racism, even as we speak. Thank you very much, Eddie. Um, I now would like to go to uh, Dr. Henson. I'm going to leave uh, Michael Stowell from Alabama last. Uh, Dr. Henson. Can you share with us 
just briefly for about uh, three, four minutes. Um, what do you think the problem uh, with the continued discrimination under past administrations and this administration? Uh, Dr. Henson from Texas. Uh, a couple of things, Lawrence. Thanks for that question. Uh, number one is I think we have to assume that America was built upon the backs of black Africans underlying the principle of white supremacy. And you take that mindset and you fold it over into the plantation days. You could say that there's a planter class mindset that took place in the days of the plantations. So if you were a you were a plantation owner and you had 10 to 15 to 20 enslaved people working for you, you were a millionaire or a billionaire. And so that mindset that went on then, I think is going on within the USDA. And so what I typically say is that the USDA does what the USDA does. The USDA assumes what the USDA has always assumed. And the assumption is that the advantage always goes to the white farmer or the white planter, so to speak. And so if the planter class mindset is embedded within the USDA, then that's going to be the thing that organizes its policies, its programs, how it handles loans. It goes all the way from the secretary's chair all the way down uh, to the county committee. And so you can see how that mindset and the way that mindset plays its way out in terms of who gets the loans, farm operating loans, who gets the loans for land, who gets told that land is available uh, and who doesn't get told, who who walks in wanting uh, to fill out a loan and, and hear the words, uh, we've got plenty of money, uh, but we don't have people for like you. So there's something about that mindset that runs through the history of the USDA, and it is deeply embedded, and it is so deeply embedded that uh, people can't even see it. So if white, if racism and white, and, and white supremacy is the water that you breathe, the air that you breathe, you're not going to be able to step back and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Either it's too, uh, it's too uh, invisible to see or you don't want to see it or you're committed to maintaining the USDA as it has always been maintained. It has always been there from the get-go and is there now, and it's going to take some hearts and some minds and some willpower to get it out. Uh, thank you very much for that uh, clarity. Um, Michael Stovall, um, here I'd like for you to talk about the, the systemic discrimination, how it's continuing, and kind of bring us up to date. I think it's important that um, Stovall, they've touched on some pieces of the problem, but we know that uh, the continued discrimination, it does exist. But can you tell us what is going on now? And can you tell me to add, in, add uh, in addition to that, talk about why USDA 
Uh, it's called The Last Plantation. Michael Stovall from Alabama. Well, Michael Stovall here from Town Creek, Alabama. The USDA is called The Last Plantation because it has so much systemic racism in the agency as a whole. Black farmers has been mistreated, taking their land from way back when, and they're steady doing it. Employees to saying, if you try to do the right thing, you're still going to be occupied and discriminated against. And the agency is embedded, it's embedded racism in that agency, and nobody chooses to do anything about what's going on in the U.S. Department of Agriculture. So when you go in the local county office, apply for a farm ownership or operating loan, even getting less amount of money you applied for, so you cannot cash flow with your loan, or they don't have any money at all. So it, it, it just from one situation to the next situation. That's what they do to black farmers across the United States of America. That's why they call it the last plantation. Now, blacks, the county agency makes the determination where your loan is proved or not approved, and how much money you should get and how much money you should not get. So those are the problems that the agency uphold the wrongdoing of uh, the county committee, the Farm Service Loan Officer, and the head of the USDA in the local, in the state office, uphold the wrongdoing of this agency. This agency is embedded racism all across the board, from one county to the next, from one state to the next. And so it's a systemic racism. Now we bring in Dr. Cornell West to ask for a state of emergency for black farmers across the United States of America because we didn't lost over 16 million acres of land and we started losing land. It's like they passed this $5 billion and here it is, most black farmers never got debt relief. And here it is now, you got 38 cages to even qualify for the discrimination with no economies. How can you determine from zero to 500,000 if you don't have any economies? And why did you put a cap on when you got farmers as old 20 and $30 million because of discrimination in the land that they have lost? This agency is corrupted from the bottom up, and we got a lot of people that look like me and you. It's on the head of the USDA to take us out. They're getting paid under the table to not do the right thing when it comes to black farmers and getting due process. So as many black farmers I have saw that have passed away because of the fight of the struggle. They sick, the ones that still left when got old, when they lost a lot of land, lost income, old taxes and wolf, even putting in the shop. They didn't run us completely out of black farmers, ride around and millions of dollars of equipment, get subsidies out of the yang yang and black farmers can you have a decent track on the farm at the G farm. This is unbelievable what this country has done to black American farmers across the United States, and it needs to be done something about Thank you. I am so very blessed to have with me four exemplary brothers who have been fundamentally concerned about one of the most crucial issues often overlooked and underplayed uh, in the history of this country, which has been the plight of black farmers. We have a variety of different voices, a variety of different perspectives that zero in 
on the scope and depth of the injustice, what has been attempted, and various efforts, often too inadequate, but still bouncing back, trying to ensure that truth and just reign and truth and justice prevail. We know, in fact, the history of the very, very ugly white supremacist subjugation, marginalization, discrimination against the heroic black farmer that I want to say on a personal note that my great-grandfather was one of the great black farmers in Louisiana who had struggles over his land year in and year out. So this is a very personal issue. But, of course, for all of us, no matter what color, gender, sexual orientation, no matter what section of the nation, this is a moral issue. For me as a Christian, it's a spiritual issue. And as citizens, it is a civic issue. And so I hope that you all are able to spend some good time as you open your hearts, minds, and souls to the marvelous voices of these four brothers who have played crucial roles, historic roles, in trying to hold up the bloodstained banner of the struggle for justice of black farmers in the United States and especially in the very much. I, I want to go to, and I'll go back to uh, Eddie Slaughter. Uh, Eddie, you've been around and you've been, You've seen uh, political uh, people come and go at USDA, president after president, secretary after secretary, and administration after administration. Um, what do you think is one of the problems that we have? And if, if, if USDA is claiming that they're doing so much good and, and claiming that they are doing a better job than any administration in history, is that true? Uh, is this administration, um, are they holding people accountable? Are they transparent? And are they delivering justice? And the one thing that I'd like to know is the organizations that are supposed to be looking out for our benefit, what do you think? What is your position? You've got a couple minutes. Just talk about what you think about our leadership from the Congress to black leadership to others. Uh, advocacy. What have they done, or how have they failed, or how have we failed? We as a people, we are worse off now than than we was 50 years ago in this country. Uh, They have really killed off all of our leaders and all the ones that they couldn't bow. And so the rest of us pretty much died off. When you look at the fact that black farmers across the country about 17 different states showed up in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. And the Congressional Black Caucus immediately found is that, hey, we need to leave town for this day that y'all are going to be here. So they are always missing in action. And the thing that I think that we need to confront, especially the Congressional Black Caucus, with, and I would pose it as it was, uh, uh, Haman, uh, when Mordecai opposed it to Queen Esther, how do you do not know that God has not called y'all to the Congress for such a time as this? All the injustice that's going on, all of the suffering that's going on, you know, and how can you be in there like uh, Dr. Dwayne Goldman? You see the suffering that your brothers and sisters are going through. And you will look their way, and it was much better that you would make a dollar off of their suffering and be mad at it, but yet it still would not do the right thing. 
because our congressionals don't have the heart to make some changes. Uh, under Senator Warren, we had the Justice for Black Farmers Act, and Booker signed on, Warnock signed on. And then from there, we moved into the American Rescue Plan Act. And so it goes from black farmers to socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. And then white farmers jumped out, filed 12 lawsuits to derail that process, and that's a long story. And then comes along in, in uh, 2022 with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and now the recipients of debt relief are distressed borrowers. And then there's a large sum of money as well for discrimination, $2.1 billion over in that pot. And so any farmer of any color, any gender, can come along and say, I've been discriminated against, and you have potential access to that. So that's the, that's the prelude to what you're asking. So what's happened with Secretary Vilsack is that he has set up an administrator at the top who answers to him, two hubs who have two regions each, and then a number of six or eight, 12, something like that, uh, cooperators. And so there are cooperator groups across the country who will be on the receiving end of applications and materials and that sort of thing. And they'll funnel this thing upstream so that eventually it gets to the administrator and then it gets over to Tom Vilsack. And so that process says that there's a, a max of $500,000 for any case. And the cooperators that I've listened in on say, don't even think about getting that much money. And then when you add the white farmers in, that's really diluting what could happen with black farmers. And that's another long story. And then, uh, as Eddie mentioned under Pickford, under this process of uh, uh, under Vilsack, there is no appeals process. And so you get what you get and you can't appeal it. So the deck is stacked so that the application process is 40 pages, plus all of these materials that you must have or that you may have, and they all have to be submitted either hard copy to a local agency or via PDF file into the hub. And then once you get up there, then it's out of your hands. So, well, well, women, hold on, because we only okay. have a short period of time. Um, tell, tell us uh, uh, real quickly in the next 30 seconds or so, because I want uh, uh, Stovall to close out. Um, tell us, uh, is this process a fair process, and, and should this process be challenged by those leaders in Congress and otherwise? The short answer is no, this is not a fair process. Uh, long story short, absolutely not. I think it's designed for failure. I think it's designed to wear out the heart and the soul and the body and the mind of black farmers. And so, yes, it should be appealed, the process should be appealed by the congressionals on Capitol Hill. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so, uh, we're going to let you do the closing out here. Uh, tell us from your perspective, with all, all this shenanigans going on 
in Washington and our leaders not speaking up, people taking money at the pain and suffering of, of uh, black farmers. And tell us, where does uh, Cordell West fit in this equation? And you will get the well, last word. Dr. Cornell West um, fit in this equation to help bring justice for the black farmers, to intervene and try to help bring these farmers where they can do get, get due process that they had never got before. You know, it's a state of emergency. That's what it's going to take to bring these farmers to get due process because a lot of these farmers got millions of dollars of damages. $500,000 is a drop in the bucket. Like I said, if you don't start out right, it won't end up right. They didn't start out right because somebody got in the room, uh, made a deal for black farmers, and black farmers were there. That's been the problem that black farmers have been having all these years. Can't nobody speak for a black farmer no better than a black farmer. When you got black farmers involved, thousands of acres of land, and you want to give them 500000 and it's a guess if you don't get it or not, that's the problem with that. This agency is corrupted. These white farmers, they paid them over 20-something billion dollars. They got it in two days. Black farmers can't get due process. It's a state of emergency. They can fix the spotted owl, the beaver, and everybody else, but they won't pay these black farmers what's due process. It's a problem with this country. It's racist. This agency needs to be put in receivership, and justice needs to be brought to these black farmers. Not yesterday, but right now, right now, right now. It needs to happen right now. It's terrible what they continue to do to us. And nobody, want, everybody want to turn a deaf ear to the racism at, at this department of agriculture. And the Justice Department is all part of it. And they need to be held accountable as well. We call for the Black Caucus to do something about what's going on at this agency. It's terrible. They killing black farmers. They die by, by, by every day. So we losing some black farmer because he didn't went through so much pain and suffering to try to hold on to the land. I have a binding of discrimination, a breach of settlement agreement. I have watched these farmers die, suffer, cry, trying to hold on to the land. It's terrible what they have done to us, and we need to call the state of emergency to fix this problem from the bottom to the top, from the top to the bottom, and clean up the USDA. Katie Black, what you do. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Uh, we are running out of time. Uh, we're right at the 45-minute uh, uh, period. Look, I want to thank uh, uh, Gary Johnson for putting this uh, uh, panel on and, and getting us Zoomed and organized. I want to thank uh, Eddie Slaughter from Georgia. I want to thank Dr. Henson uh, from Texas. And again, so well, I can't thank you enough because you understand not only the uh, the political ramifications in the broad base, but also the systemic problem as it relates to USDA and its racism. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We're going to have to close at this point, but uh, we hope to join and come back on at another time. I thank you all very much, and good night. And I just jump in just a little bit because uh, all four of you all have been so powerful. But the, uh, it just hits me so hard when you look at the different ways in which 
white supremacy in its vicious ways and manners uh, works and gets refashioned one generation after the other. I think about the Homestead Act of 1862. They got free land for some of the precious vanilla brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? Ain't got nothing against it up to the 163 acres homesteader, but then, lo and behold, here in the the South for black folk, the 40 acres and a mule never came forward, never enacted, already a promise that was reneged on, and then as we emerged, we got black farmers who have land, like James West, my great-great-grandfather. But then they come up with all kind of maneuvers and shenanigans to try to shrink his land less and less. And I know there's a larger story about agribusiness and the corporatization of agriculture and so forth, but that doesn't mean the white supremacy is not going on. And where do you go? You go to the U.S. government. You think that the Department of Agriculture is going to actually be a source, a resort of fair treatment. And I'm glad you mentioned Brother S.P. He's out of Arkansas, right? Was he out of Arkansas? Of babies 
Think about it. A two-year-old had his bro bones broken by two parents trying to shield him from being killed. A woman who had been married to this man for as long as I've been on the planet almost lost her, lost her husband. So what? And so what we know is that the country has been playing politics for a long time on this hatred. We know this. So it's easy for us to place it all on Donald Trump's shoulders. It's easy for us to place Pittsburgh on his shoulders. It's easy for me to place Charlottesville on his shoulders. It's easy for us to place El Paso on his shoulders. This is us. And if we're going to get past this, we can't blame it on him. He's a manifestation of the ugliness that's in us. I've had the privilege of growing up in a tradition that didn't believe in the myths and the legends because we had to bear the brunt of them. Either we're going to change, Nicole, are we going to do this again and again, and babies are going to have to grow up without mothers and fathers, uncles and aunts, friends, while we're trying to convince white folk to finally leave behind a history that will maybe, maybe, or embrace a history that might set them free from being white. Finally. Finally. What else?
especially Marty Oakley. Um, the only thing I can say now is we have approximately six minutes or more. Um, before closing out, Marcel, do we have time to ask questions from uh, our listening audience? Um, I think not this evening. Um, let me go and let me try to see if one person has a call here. I'm going to ask them specifically. Joval, you're on the line. Hello? All right. I think they don't want to ask a question. I think they were just overwhelmed by how much information was given out. Adel, could you expand a little bit more of what you're going to do, Dr. West, in the future? Um, in closing the show, I'd like to say uh, that uh, this was a very moving uh, presentation uh, panel. And I want to say that uh, on Wednesday of next week, I will be interviewing Dr. Cornell West. And the subject matter is going to be primarily around the issues of black leadership, black farmers, and the widespread discrimination at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And he, uh, running for president, what is he going to do? And what recommendations is he going to bring forward to do something about this long-existing uh, discrimination and abuse at the U.S. Department of Agriculture? I want to say I hope that this interview will be one that we can share uh, very soon with the listening public. And I want to thank you all before closing with only a few minutes left. I want to thank you for listening tonight. We hope that uh, we have been able to give you, the listening audience, a piece of what reality is and all the things that we hear that's going on in America about how good things are coming. There are no good things happening for black farmers. There are no good things that I know of major that are anything happening to do something about the institutionality of the bigotry, the racism, the sexism, and other types of discrimination at the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to uh, seeing you again next month and share with you the interview that I will be having with Dr. Cornell West and on the issue primarily of black farmers and racism in this country. Thank you very much, and good night. Thank you. I'd like to thank the listening audience. Um, I'm amazed at how many people in tonight. And I really would encourage you to continue the progress. Because if the farmers go down, I don't think that anyone else feels secure. Take care until next month.